Carlo, and next to me, looking all delicious and springing, is the traveling diva, <laughs> Yenny Alvarez. Hi, I love the way you describe me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our very special spring training baseball show. It's kicking off a new year of baseball. Should be a good year of baseball for the Cubs. It's going to be a long Hopefully. season. Hopefully. If not, it's going to be a miserable home here. Glad to have <laughs> you join us. Hopefully you're following us on Twitter at, at Mark DiCarlo and on Instagram, Mark DiCarlo TV. And uh, if you've missed the past episode of the show, you can always catch up on old ones at our website, which is? Aforkontheroad.com. What are some good reasons for people to follow me on Twitter? Wow, you're the worst. <laughs> You really are. How about the prizes we give away? How about yes. the trips we give away? Yes, we gave tr- away a trip to Cancun. We gave away trips to Cabo. We're going to be giving away trips to festivals all over the country. Later this year, we're going to be going to the Jazz Festival in New Orleans. We're going to be going to Memphis in May. We're going to be all over the country. And you can't stay up to date unless you follow us on Twitter. And we have great prices to give away in between those events as well, like uh, vacations to Cancun. That's right. I just said that. You did in between yeah. the prices? Mm-hmm. By following you on Twitter. See, this is kind of a spring training show for us. We're not in regular season form yet. Coming off of our winter hiatus, we'd be glad to be back at work here. Have you ever been to spring training? <laughs> no. Do you know what it is? Yes. It happens in two places in the country. Tell me about it. 15 teams work out in Arizona. 15 teams work out in Florida. And we have experts from both of those areas. Graham Knight is going to fill us in on all the tips and tricks you need to know if you're going to go to Arizona to watch baseball. Uh And Nick Gandy is our expert in Florida. Florida. And uh, we're going to talk to him about what it takes to go to spring training in Florida. Now, you're from Florida. Did you ever go to the games when you were a little kid? Uh, not when I was a little kid because I was in Cuba, but when I was in Florida, uh, I was a teen and I did go to a couple of the games. I would think, you know what, for a Cuban family, there's no one in your family that's really into baseball. Your dad's not into baseball. We're not a very sports-oriented... Um... I know, but I thought all Cubans are way into baseball. Well, they are if they want to get out of the country. <laughs> That's their only way out if you don't get a visa or baseball. Okay. I mean, I like it. No, you don't. Yes, I do. I like baseball more than I like other stuff. You love it. You know, the reason you don't love it is because you haven't been to spring training enough. Spring training encapsulates everything that is great about America and America too. Yes. (laughs) But mostly baseball because it's a little more relaxed. The prices are less. It's more um, congenial. You can sit out on the grass and watch the game. I like the event. I like the ritual. I like to watch it live. I'm not going to sit at home and watch it on TV unless there's a party. 
Right. Well, and, and for people Same like... Same for hockey. Right. Same for football. The difference with spring training is, for the people that don't really love the baseball, there's other things to do, both in Florida the baseball, and like Arizona. The web? Yeah, and the, the Twitter. Inter- the Twitter. Um, you know, you've got golf, you've got lots of great restaurants in both areas. So it's really, it can be a fun spring break, it can be a fun trip. I saved actor Ken Hedson Campbell's life once at spring training. Oh, did you? How yes. did that happen? We were down there at spring training, myself, Kenny, and uh, Ralph Murniak. Um, from Chicago, and we were leaving spring training, and we had purchased a bunch of Bud Long Neck beer bottles for the trip. Maybe I'm going to say two <laughs> two cases. And after the weekend, we had one Bud left. You know, the Long Neck Buds. Yeah. And as we were packing the car to go to the airport, I stuck the one bottle in the trunk and then slammed the trunk. Oh. So we go to take the car back to Hertz. And Why would you do that? Because you don't waste beer. Are you kidding but me? But in retrospect, it was a bad idea because we packed the car. Then we went and it sat in the parking lot for five hours yes. while we watched the ball game. Then we drove like crazy to get to the airport because we were late. So the bottle was probably a little shook up. Just a little. So we get to Hertz to return the car. I'm talking to the guy. Kenny goes to the back to open up the trunk of the car. And he opens up the trunk of the car, which sends the bottle, which was like evidently leaning against the inside of the trunk, flying into the air up about eye level it's, it comes down right between his legs and explodes like a grenade, sending glass and beer everywhere. And a big chunk of glass got wedged into the, his calf. Ew. And he started bleeding uh, badly. No 911 people around. We called 911, but he was bleeding pretty bad. I put him in the backseat of the car. I whipped off my belt. I made a tourniquet, <laughs> stopped the bleeding, and sutured the, the big gash closed with another belt. What? Yes. And when the paramedics got there, the paramedic turned to me and said, who did this? And I said, I did, sir. I was expecting he was going to yell at me. And he goes, you did a great job. Aww. So I saved his life. How did you know to do that? Did you watch MacGyver when you were a kid? Well, no. You know if someone's bleeding, you make a tourniquet. And, you know, it was an extremity. Kenny's got plenty of blood in his body. He didn't, <laughs> and he doesn't need both legs. But uh, he's got a really I'm nice sure. you know spring what? training scar. You should call him and see how he's doing nowadays. You know what? We should go back to spring training because we had a good time, except for that. I'm little, going for the party. That little beer. Uh, uh, so first, you were the one that put the beer in the trunk. Let's not point fingers. Oh, okay. So, to... so first, you get him messed up, and then you save his life. Got it. Let's just leave it at I saved his life. I'm sure he remembers it that way. When you're done listening to the show today, make sure you check out my new spring training piece in the Huffington Post. It's got links to uh, both of the websites uh, that we're going to talk about today and hotels and all the other things to do both in Florida and Arizona. That's on my uh, travel blog at thehuffingtonpost.com. But right now, I think it's time to meet the experts that will guide us through spring training 2016. We have the two best spring training experts in the country with us today. First off, we're going to start with Graham Knight. He's going to tell us everything we need to know about Arizona baseball spring training. Graham Knight, uh, welcome to A Fork on the Road. Mark, thank you so much for having me. thought you could tell us a little bit about spring training in Arizona. Spring training is in two states, uh, Florida and Arizona. But of the two, if you're a fan, there's definitely no better place to go than the Phoenix area. Um, it's just uh, easy to get around. All the stadiums are within 50 miles of each other. And if you compare the two states, it's just so much uh, less uh, costly to go to the Phoenix area than Florida. Everything from the tickets to the parking to even accommodations uh, is better in Arizona. And often the access to the players, whether you want autographs, things of that sort, is better in Arizona. So there's really no better place to go if you're a fan 
than the Cactus League. Why, for people that haven't been, how is spring training baseball different? Uh, now, I grew up in Chicago, and we would go down to Florida for spring break, and we got to see the baseball. And I just remember, for me, it was so great to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and there's snow everywhere and you're in your, you know, you're in your <laughs> winter clothes and then you go to sleep in the back of the station wagon and you wake up and there's baseball. I think there's a couple of things. One, there's such a buildup to it. They talk about the day that pitchers and catchers report and so on and so forth. So you've had no baseball for months. Um, it's deprivation. It is a sport that goes on for a long time. It's not football where there's one game a week for four months unless your team has an off week. You know, baseball, it's every day, really from the start of spring training all the way through the playoffs. It's something you're just used to having. And then it's gone, you know, and the weather is not good in many places. Um, so by the time February comes around, you know, you begin to miss it. Uh, and the great thing about spring training is just you can go follow your team uh, all over the place. You know, it's not, especially in Arizona, it's not that hard to do. The greatest distance from one stadium to another is 47 miles there. And most of them are, you know, it's 10 miles to one stadium or four miles to the next. It's not that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it. But the stadiums are still small, which makes it intimate. You know, if, it, if you want to pay 50 bucks to go to the Giants game or Dodgers in regular season, if you can even get a ticket, you know, it, it's, it's a part of your budget. And you really don't have to budget too much for the actual cost of going to a game when you're, you know, in Arizona. I mean, if you... You know, I'll use the Dodgers as an example. If you're a Dodgers fan, parking's free at uh, you know Campbell Back Ranch. <laughs> Unlike uh, Dodger Stadium, where it's twenty five dollars to get in. <laughs> exactly. Well, it wasn't free when it first opened. They charged five dollars the first year, but what they found was that the traffic was so backed up getting in there by people having to make change or accept the five dollars at the parking lot, they just did away with the fee altogether. And they realized that people can get in the stadium earlier. They're more apt to buy more beer, more food, whatever it is. They'll make more money as opposed to $5 a car. So um, it didn't start off that way. But parking is not more than $5 anywhere. And a few of the ballparks is just altogether free. In Florida, you're basically paying $10 uh, for that case. And one of the big differences between the ballparks in Florida and Arizona is that all 10 of the stadiums uh, in the Cactus League have grass seating, which they call berms. Um, so you're just basically sitting on grass or you can bring, a, bring in a blanket or a towel or whatnot. Uh, and it's usually less than $10. Some of the teams have gone over the $10 price point now. Um, some of them, the Angels and Giants have dynamic pricing, so you don't know exactly what the cost will be until you buy the ticket. Right. But usually it's pretty reasonable. And that's pretty much that, that's the place for the families. If you have little kids that want to run around and play frisbee during the game, that's kind of more of a picnic area with a baseball is, game in front of it. For people that are younger, I mean, so much of what you see at ballparks, the great social settings. You know, it's not just like what Dodger Stadium was back in the day, where it's a place you went, watched the game, and left after the game. Now they have little bars and there's kid zones and all kinds of things to do. So a lot of times you just want to pay to get in. And then you walk around and you, you, you do whatever. Uh -huh. so you don't always need to even spend $30 on a seat because unlike the regular season when, say, people leave in the 7th or 8th, I mean, the, you know, the non-hardcore fans, in spring training, because the players don't play the whole game, especially in the first two or three weeks of spring training, you know, a lot of people head for the exits in the 5th or 6th inning. And some of the stadiums, I use the Angels and Tempe, for example, after the 6th inning, you can walk in off the street for free. You know, they don't charge you that point in time. So you can watch the last few innings, get some autographs after the game, and not have to pay for it because so many people leave once the stars or the starters come out of the game. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just it's a lot more laid back. There's a lot less restrictions. 
you know, when you're talking generations of fans of baseball, this is kind of what my dad would remember it, what, you know, your dad or grandfather would remember it. So this is still kind of that connection to the way baseball was at the highest levels a long time ago. You know, and something else that's just odd is that almost, not not all, but most of the games, about 90% are in the day. And we're so used to going to games at night, and those games, you know, are televised, which means they go on till 10, 10.30 at night. You know, here you're done by 4. You can go out to dinner or do whatever it is you want to do. Um, if you like to golf, you can golf in the morning. There's different things that you can do. So it's a part of your day, you know, something you can you work in and uh, enjoying a bunch of different things. And it doesn't have to cost you a lot. Now, there are expensive tickets. You can mm-hmm. obviously pay 30 bucks to sit behind home plate or, you know, certain Giants games, even the berm tickets will be $60 based on, you know, if they're playing the A's on a Saturday, they'll put it on market demand. But But for the most part, most games are affordable. Parking is inexpensive, if not free. The food has gotten so much better over the years. So it's really become a major league experience, but, I mean, it's scaled down to minor league proportions. It's just, it's, it's, it's really, if you've never been, you know, you have this concept of what major league baseball is because you're used to watching it in the big stadiums or on TV, and this is just, you know, it's just so, it's not really bare bones because the stadiums are so nice and so much money has been spent on the facilities over the years. But it's really what you want baseball to be, and it's just so, so good for your soul. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put that. it. It's just, uh, especially again, if you're coming down from the north where it's going to be cold and nasty, you get out there and the sun is shining and it's warm, and it's a, a strange mix. I guess for the fan, it's far more relaxed and bucolic than a regular baseball game. But what's really going on is you got guys fighting literally for their careers. Rookies coming up, older guys trying to hang on. So there, there's uh, probably more tension for the players during a spring training game than a game in the middle of June. Yeah, especially guys in the bullpen or the guy that's the fourth outfielder or uh, you know, guy that's 35 trying to make a, one of the backup infield positions. I mean, and it's neat because you can see all this take place. I mean, it's still we're used to watching games on TV or our computers or phones or whatnot. This is the one place where you can kind of see everybody in the entire organization and get an idea of what they look like up close and personal, you know, in real life. You know, you can talk to them, you get their autographs. The, the, most of the stadiums have, you know, half dozen fields right next to them, and that's where minor league games go on once the minor leaguers report to spring training. Those are free to watch. You can leave a stadium and go watch one of those games for free. There'll be nobody over there. You can hear the chatter, hear everything. So, Typically, what time, uh, what time of the day do things get started at a facility? Uh, you know, if you're going to see that, I would say the best time to get there, uh, if you want to see BP and things like that, batting practice, if it's a 105 game, you want to be there around 10 a.m. Um, if you're just going to watch the game, you show up at, you know, 1245, 1 o'clock, it doesn't matter. But if you want autographs, if you want to have, want to watch them practice essentially from behind a chain link fence at a very minimal distance, um, you want to be there, uh, that usually wraps up around 11:15. We'll say for a 105 game. So if you show up after then, there's really not much going on. You'll see the grounds crew water the field. There's not much. <laughs> there really isn't much going on because the players take batting practice or infield practice or whatever they do. And then they go back to the clubhouse, get something to eat, have lunch or a stretch or get massages or whatever they do. And then they start to come back out to the field, the actual stadium. Let's say 12:35, 12:40, basically a half hour before the game, and then go through the stretching routine again and warm up their arms. Uh, but you usually want to be there at least three hours before game time. If what you want to do is watch practice, which doesn't which doesn't often happen on the field in which they play the games. There's exceptions. The Giants do all their pregame work uh, at their stadium, but most teams use 
one or two of their big fields, which is just outside of their stadium. And you want to be back there, you know, let's say three to three and a half hours before the game begins. But if you want autographs, as a lot of people do, um, you want to be back to when those guys are coming off the field after they're done. And they're usually doing that. And they can only use 105 as the benchmark for game time. They're usually coming off that those practice fields between 11 and 1130, you know, say around 1115. So it's really what you want. Some people are there autographs some people are there to sit out in the grass and have a, have a beer um it really caters to all kinds of fans right uh, because you can have access to different things that you just can't get uh, at a regular season game I, I live in atlanta uh not far from when the braves play in turner field they're br- building their new ballpark which will open next year uh, within walking distance of a, of a place of a condo that we own um but you're sitting in the upper deck there you know you're more of a, a spectator there you're not so much a part of the event, you know. You, you don't yeah, that's a good way to put it. You're you're in the mix at uh, spring training because you're right down there on the field. And um, I always love talking to people, talking to strangers in the uh, in the stands. And it seems that at major league games, uh, regular season games, there's always so much noise and crap going on between innings. Um, you, it's not as quiet as it used to be, where you could just sit and turn to the person next to you and start talking trash about some player or you know, make little bets about uh, mound ball or the outfield game or just kind of uh, relax. What 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 would you say, Graham, for someone that's never been to a spring training uh, before, what are your top five tips for squeezing the most uh, value and fun out of, uh, let's say, a five-day trip? Well, I think I just covered probably one of the most important ones, and that's you can watch the guys practice, batting practice and all the other things they do, uh, in the mornings, or if they're playing a night game, if they have a 7 o'clock game, then you want to get out there, say, 4 o'clock. But right. that's free. You know, you can go in the backfield and do all that. So you can watch them practice for free and get those autographs as they're coming off the field after their batting practice for free. One of the, and one of the key reasons that that's important, and if you're waiting to closer the game starts and you're in the stadium, and the average crowd seven, eight thousand 8,000 people, you know, for just a typical game, obviously that's a, a lot more packed on weekends and near the end of spring training. The crowds are a lot better than the beginning of spring training, but you have a lot more competition. And when you're confined in the stadium itself, it's not like you can move that much. So before the game, you know, two, three hours before the game, there's only going to be a couple hundred people there. Uh-huh. So, again, it's a lot more intimate. That's what you want in terms of autographs. So get there really early if you want autographs or to watch them practice. Um you know, other than that, uh, you know, you can kind of show up whenever you want just to watch the game. Uh, and you don't always have to buy the best seat. I guess that would be another tip for a family that's not used to going. Because so many people make, I think they make the mistake of walking up to the box office and saying, give me four of the best available. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's not always what you want to do because, you know, it, it boggles my mind. I have two kids, you know, I'm married, so I'm a family of four. But you can easily spend, you know, 120 bucks on tickets to a spring training game for the best seats. But are your kids going to want to sit still the whole time? I mean, you don't have to do that. You can buy, you know, the lawn seats. Let's say you're going to a game in Peoria uh, where the Padres and Mariners are, and there's many games that seats uh, are as cheap as $5. Other days they're $8. But, you know, even at $8 times 4, it's $32. It's not right. to get still. So you don't have to have the best tickets available because once the game starts, it's pretty similar to what you're going to see in the regular season. You're essentially there to watch the game. But the stadiums are so, you know, small that you're not really far away regardless of where you sit. So a difference in $15 in tickets uh, costs, say, to be behind, you know, down the left field line versus actually sitting in the left field, it's not that much of a difference in your perspective on the game, but you can certainly pay a lot more money. So you don't always have to do that. 
And you can check team websites or you can check the secondary market like a StubHub and Ticket Network and companies like that to get an idea of how many seats are actually available for a particular game because most of them now have interactive seating diagrams. You know, Not all the teams, but most of them do. So you can actually see the seats that are available and what the price points are. What about buying? Um, what about buying complete packages from your team's website that include, you know, tickets, uh, hotel, airfare? Are those a better deal than doing it yourself? I think it depends on where you're coming from and what team you're going to follow. If you're a Cubs fan, you know that stadium opened two years ago. It seats fifteen thousand people or holds fifteen thousand people, I should say, and they averaged, you know, close. They averaged close to fifteen thousand people per game. So you don't have a lot of options when it comes to getting tickets and you'll be able to watch the Cubs. So maybe if you're coming from Chicago, that's a good thing. But if you're driving over from L.A. to see the Dodgers, you know, their games this week, their stadium holds 13,000 people. They'll eventually draw much bigger crowds. But early in spring training, that first week or two, especially any game during the week, like this week is the perfect example because the season really just started yesterday uh, in the Cactus League with the first six games. But um, all the teams will be playing for the first time today. But you know, the games aren't well attended that first week or the first two weeks during the week, you know, non-weekend games. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be shocking to have four or 5,000 people actually in the stadium. Um, you know, and people... Not everybody shows up for every game. Obviously, there's certain season ticket sales. But, you know, if you go early in spring training, you get to see the most players, a lot of minor league guys, but a lot of, you know, old veterans uh, trying to make the team make a good impression. Um, and it's just the, you know, there's there's a lot less people there. And I know most people go when they have spring break or, when, you know, or maybe around Easter when they have, you know, more time off. But when you're going when everybody else is going, you know, you're going to pay more, you know, uh, first off. And you're not going to have as good of access as you would early in spring training. So I say, I, I, you know, a tip that I could definitely give um, your listeners is to go earlier in spring training uh, if you can. Um, you know, even to before the games start, maybe you pick a couple of days before games start, you can go watch the workouts when they don't play games. They hold them in the morning, usually from like 930 to 1230. And that is as, you know accessible as anything you'll ever find. If I go into a high school practice. (laughs) I mean, they're right there in front of you. Uh, You can talk to them. Obviously, a lot of people aren't going to make a vacation going to watch practices. So people coming from long distances certainly want to be there for a game, want to see something in the stadium. But, you know, if you could maybe go two days before your team's first game, you can see two two days of workouts, or a lot of times they'll have a free-to-attend scrimmage Mm -hmm. on the last day of practice. And then you can watch the first few games. There won't be as many people there. It won't cost as much. Um, they're not as serious early in spring training. They're not as focused as they have to be near the end. You know, the regular season this year starts, I think, on April 3rd. You know, that last week or so, they're kind of in game mode. You know, they're playing eight, nine innings. Uh, the pitchers are going five, six innings. So there's a lot more serious because they know the season is about right. It starts a lot more intense. Well, Graham, thank you so much for all your information and your help. And, uh, Hopefully we'll see you out there at the ballpark when the Cubs are in the World Series. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a Red Sox fan. They won three times in the span of a decade, so anything is possible. I don't know if that's possible, <laughs> but it certainly seems to be the uh, prediction for this year is that the Cubs will uh, do what they couldn't do when they were supposed to do it in the be Back to the Future prom. I think that's right. We're one year off. So. So why not? I am sure that will be a heck of a party. Graham Knight from Spring Training Connection, thank you so much for being on A Fork on the Road. We'll see you down the road. Oh, thank you so much. I enjoyed talking about it. 
good info. Yes, absolutely. You could tell, you could hear it in his voice that he has a passion for baseball and especially spring training. Well, you know what? Baseball is a lot more fun than other sports. People are, don't get excited over golf. True. And there's a good reason for that. It's boring. Um, you have to be quiet at the games. My seminal spring training uh, memory, once we were at the Cubs Park, and they have the... The air, Cubs Park? They, well, it's, it was called Ho-Ho Camp Park. Now it's Sloan Park. Aww. And ho, ho, ho. they have the little areas where wheelchairs can park, you know, in the box seats. And one time I'm walking down the aisle, and I saw a woman who who turned out to be 93 years old. And she was in a wheelchair, and she had an oxygen tank. And she was sitting there watching baseball, and she had a sign on the back of her wheelchair that said, you got to believe, that is and a Cubs fan. When was this? This was a couple years ago. Okay. I hope she's still alive because this is the year. This is it. But that, that kind of mentality is what Cubs fans are all about and what baseball fans are all about. No matter how bad your team is, you believe you still have a shot, even if you're on oxygen in a wheelchair. All right. Next up, we're going to talk to Nick Gandy, and he knows everything there is to know about Florida spring training. Does he now? Yes, I could have right. turned to you, but obviously you're not the no, expert. No, I'll tell you about the parties, but he can tell us about baseball. All right, let's have him do that. Nick Gandy, welcome to A Fork on the Road. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you are the uh, keeper of the GrapefruitLeague.com website. How long have you been doing that? I think we got it going around 2005. I love baseball. And I think spring training is always a great way to, uh, you know, it, it gets spring started. The country starts to thaw out. We, <laughs> we, we grew up in Chicago. We would come down to uh, Florida every spring, and we would stop. And uh, we used to watch the Cincinnati Reds um, uh, do their spring training. And it's just such a fun, cool thing. You get to hang out with the ball players and walk around. How many different teams uh, do their spring training in Florida right now? There are 15 Major League Baseball teams uh, holding their spring training in 14 different locations around the state of Florida. The Miami Marlins and St. Louis Cardinals share a facility in Jupiter, Roger Dean Stadium. And and, and there there are there there's like little pockets. There's the southeast area of the state, Palm Beach County, um, Port St. Lucie on the southwest side in Fort Myers and Port Charlotte, and then you come up Interstate 75 into the Tampa Bay area, and there's a few teams left in the Orlando area as well. So unlike uh, Arizona, where everything seems to be basically clustered around Phoenix, it -hmm. seems, looking at the map on your site, uh, grapefruitleague.com, seems like all the teams in Florida are kind of up and down the uh, peninsula on the coast. Does it make it hard for someone that wants to visit all the teams? Do you have to kind of pick one? Not necessarily. Uh, the The peninsula is kind of thin. <laughs> so it, 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 it's, there, you, there might be some driving involved. Um, but if you stay within those pockets, you can have a lot of opportunity. The, <clears throat> the, most teams are in the Tampa Bay area. There's uh, six teams within a 50-mile area uh, from the Tampa-St. Petersburg area with the Toronto Blue Jays being on the north end in Dunedin, the Baltimore Orioles being on the south end in Sarasota, and over to the east, the Detroit Tigers in Lakeland. But from a central location 
in the Tampa St. Petersburg area, you can get to any of the six ballparks within an hour's drive. The Philadelphia Phillies are in Clearwater, the New York Yankees are in Tampa, and the Pittsburgh Pirates are also in Bradenton. So would you suggest for people that are coming down uh, to pick, Tampa Bay sounds like the place with the highest concentration of teams, or do most people go down to West Palm, go to Jupiter, and and tour all around? Because it's a month-long event, right? Yeah, yeah, I talked to somebody earlier in the month that was going to start in Palm Beach and just do like a circle around the state, go up. I-95 to uh, Vieira, where the Washington Nationals play, and then cut over to the Orlando area, and then go over to Tampa Bay, and then go down Interstate 75 to Fort Myers, and then cut back across to the southeast to complete the, the complete tour. It was going to take, you know, more than a week, but <laughs> they, had, they had it all mapped out to do, like, the circle around the whole state. Oh, that's great. So, now, for people that um, may be considering going to spring training for the first time this year, can you give us your top five picks to avoid paying too much and missing out and not getting tickets? What, what's the best way? Let's say you've got five days you're on spring break and you want to go down and see some baseball what are the the nick's five top tips for squeezing the, the most fun out of those five days <laughs> the the first tip is you know a lot of people have been going for many years or they've heard stories from parents or grandparents weekend games purchase your tickets ahead of time um, don't expect to walk up and get a ticket on a weekend especially as the season progresses. Because as, uh, as we get deeper into March, right, more yeah. and more of the, the AAA ball players float away, and then you're dealing with pretty much the major league team by the last weekend of March. Right, right? and more and more people are coming to Florida, and the, the local communities are also coming out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so any, any games involving the New York Yankees or Boston Red Sox also plan ahead, home or away. They're a very big draw on the road as well. So that's the first one. Um, the, 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 the newly renovated stadiums are very nice. Um, the Minnesota twins in Fort Myers, the Boston Red Sox in Fort Myers, the Pittsburgh pirates in Bradenton have a newly renovated stadium. The, um, who else is there? Uh, the Ed Smith stadium in Sarasota, they all have all the latest amenities, that uh, you don't want to miss. They they also bring a lot of fans in. In the coming years, the Detroit Tigers in Lakeland will be starting renovations after this year. I saw a picture the other day. You can see construction going on out in over the right field fence in Lakeland. So they've actually already started there, and it'll be complete by the beginning of next season. The Washington Nationals in Houston Astros will play their final seasons in Vieira and Osceola County this year. So if you're a fan of them, you might want to go see them in their current locations because after this year they'll be moving to a brand-new park in Palm Beach County on the southeast coast of the state. Anything in the Tampa Bay area is, is really nice. You have the big stadium where the Yankees play in Tampa. You have a small stadium, a smaller stadium, where the Blue Jays play in Dunedin, uh, a newly renovated stadium in 
the Sarasota and Bradenton with the Orioles and Pirates. And I, I, I'm a big fan of the Phillies Park in Clearwater. Uh, I just love that area. My grandparents used to live there, and I grew up going to games in Clearwater and St. Petersburg. So I really like the new Phillies Stadium as well. So it's changed a lot over the last 20 or 30 years. I mean, I remember when I was a little kid, we could literally just walk up and you oh, wa- yeah. you watch the games and you walk up to the practice field. It's kind of been oh, yeah. commercialized mm-hmm. now. What's what's the you, you mentioned your first tip was get your tickets early. Um, what's your best tip about inter- being able to interact with the players and get autographs? And do people do do people do selfies now or is it still autographs? <laughs> yeah, you can do that. <laughs> the the uh, earlier uh, in in the day is the best time for that. As you approach the 105 per first pitch mark, players are getting more focused, but the gates open two hours ahead of time. And something people don't really realize is starting at about 9 o'clock in the morning, there are players out on side fields or back fields, as they call them, um, where the clover leaves are mm-hmm. the, at the practice facility. There are games going on, or you can actually see them from certain places, like from the left center field area, the berm at Bright House Field in Clearwater. You can turn around. The Phillies will be playing in front of you, and there will be games going on behind you as well involving minor league players on the backfields. I I did that in Fort Myers a couple years ago at the Twins facility. We just happened to get there early and wandered up, looked over on the side, and there was uh, games going on on the side fields at, you know, 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning. And eventually the the players start moving over to the clubhouse, and, yeah, they'll stop and talk to you. Or if you get there right when the gates open, guys walking in from – uh, the clubhouse or the visiting team clubhouse, if it's away from the the stadium, the um, they'll stop and, and chat with you as well. So that's the second tip is get there early because there's a lot of interesting stuff going on early in the morning uh, with uh, veterans and rookies, stuff that you never get to see at all during the regular season at your home park. So it's kind of an interesting uh, vibe to see what a baseball player's day is like right. what's your next tip well and the thing for the older fans like you and I the there are a lot of teams that have what they call alumni come in uh, players from the past that uh, are they called special assistants during spring training and you never know who you'll run into. I was at an Orioles game, and Brady Anderson was signing autographs one day. Kent DeColvey is a mainstay at the Pittsburgh Pirates training camp. We had an event here recently where Dale Murphy was our uh, keynote speaker, and he was going to be spending a week at the Braves camp. So these guys come in, and once the games are going on, they're really not doing much. <laughs> so they, they'll wander over to the fence and, you know, sign autographs. They're there to, you know, just relay baseball information to, to new players. Um, uh, when the Cleveland Indians used to train in Winter Haven, Bob Feller would be out on the field throwing with uh, kids and players, and he was well into his 70s by then. So you never know who you'll run into. 
at, at, out on the field before the game. I saw Bert Blylev in, uh, at a Pirates game, Pirates-Twins game. He played for both teams, so they were honoring him. There was a year before he was going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Oh, that's great. Now, what about yeah. – so the, So baseball typically happens during – during the day in Florida, there's kind of more night games in Arizona. Let's say you go to the park, you're done, you're done at 4 o'clock or so. What else is there to do in the area for families or uh, people? Uh, any good um, restaurant locations or are the downtowns? How do you find a good place to eat and other other activities to do while you're on vacation? Because typically all the people that are coming down are just thawing out from their northern cities. And <laughs> they want to soak up the Florida sunshine. What what uh, what other options do they have? Well, with the 105 first pitch, if you're a if you're a guy like me that buys a ticket for the full nine innings <laughs> and stays until until the final out at the bottom of the ninth or the top of the ninth, whatever it is, you're you're and even stick around after the game to watch whoever might be lingering around to sign autographs. You're pretty much clear of the ballpark by 4:30, and that gives you plenty of time. And from what I understand, the daylight savings time is even earlier this year. Uh, in March, so it will be staying light a lot longer. So I always say that from every ballpark in Florida, you're an hour's drive from the Atlantic coast or the Gulf of Mexico, and you can get to a waterside cafe, restaurant, bar, and be sitting there having some dinner or a beverage while the sun sets on the beach. And you know, in Clearwater, for one, they have a beautiful pier. A lot of the uh, worth a lot of activity going on around the pier around sunset, especially on the weekends. I think they have like a Friday night party that draws a lot of people. Uh, several of the Tampa Bay area beaches have been nationally recognized. Fort DeSoto Park in St. Petersburg, uh, Honeymoon Island, which is off of Dunedin. Clearwater Beach has a million things going on. Uh, Siesta Key in Sarasota, off the coast of on Sarasota, is a nationally recognized beach. Sanibel Island mm-hmm. in Fort Myers. Those are all nationally recognized Gulf beaches that are just beautiful and have plenty of establishments for uh, dinner and shopping and, and you name it. And then uh, in Tampa, there's obviously Bush Gardens. Uh, in the Orlando area, the Braves play on Walt Disney World property. So you're right there by the Disney theme parks and just down the road from uh, Universal Studios. Um, Great. So it's basically you want to find fishing, you name it. (laughs) So basically you find your team and there's always going to be an infrastructure of restaurants and things around them. Uh, to kind of keep you busy at night. What, what about oh, the yeah. what about the younger folks who want to go out and experience the nightlife in Florida and maybe uh, bump into some players at bars or clubs? Or <laughs> how do you how do you find out where the ball players hang out? Is there a, a do you have that on your website uh, grapefruitleague.com? No, no, I don't. I don't have that. Where to run into a baseball player? I, I would check at the hotel where you're staying uh, for those kind of local tips, maybe the concierge at the hotel. Um, I know I was staying at a a place one year in in Port St. Lucie where the younger Mets players were staying 
and uh, ran into a few of them in the in the hotel elevator one day. At the time, uh, they had Bobby Parnell was a, a young player for the Mets. He was very recognizable because he was about six foot nine. <laughs> <laughs> he literally stood out in the crowd. But that's what I would check for that. Um, and, you know, just word out on the street. Uh, there, There's a place down the street from Tradition Field in Port St. Lucie. It's like a sports bar with a bowling alley in inside of it. It used to be, I think it was a Duffy's. It's a big kind of local chain in that southeast Florida area. But some of the Mets players would show up there and go bowling. Um you even see it in the local newspapers, you know, so-and-so was cited out and about. But in these days of the big contracts, they might be uh, keeping a lower profile. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's really a fun uh, time. Um, what, what would you say the major differences between spring training in Arizona and spring training in Florida are? Well, obviously the distances is a big thing, but there's no beaches in Arizona. There's uh, no, I mean, I, there might be lakes, but um, there, there's not a lot of water out there that you can enjoy. Uh, the water also provides fishing opportunities. Um, I know that deep sea fishing, you pretty much need to have a deep sea. Put aside a, put aside <laughs> a day. You can't go out deep sea fishing and then go to the ball game. That takes all day. But there's piers in just about every city along the Gulf of Mexico and Atlantic Ocean close by that you could go out and get a day pass and, uh, you know, spend the day fishing. I know the old St. Petersburg Pier used to be a, a big spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure clear, the Clearwater Pier is another big spot for that kind of thing. But uh, just the, the little things that you'll only find in on the Gulf of Mexico. I think the, the Gulf of Mexico from Dunedin on down is just a, a beautiful place that uh, a lot of people may not know about. Well, thank you so much for your time, Nick. I really appreciate your expertise. It sounds like you've been doing this for a long time, and uh, hopefully this information will help our listeners uh, not make any mistakes when they go down there and uh, get the biggest bang for their buck and enjoy the start of what could be a really exciting uh, baseball season. The name of your and website again? It's FloridaGrapefruitLeague.com, and also on that site you can download a mobile phone app that we also have now with schedules. And I, if there's ever any weather delays or weather issues or promotions going on, I send out notifications on a daily basis. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Nick. And, uh, have oh, and a gr- we have uh, Twitter, too, FLA Spring Train. So you can follow everything. So if there's, uh, as I'm sure often happens, some rain problems or uh, weather, yeah. you're not going to waste your time at the ballpark. You could... Waste your time somewhere else? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Plenty to do. Thank you so much for your time, Nick. Have a great season. You too. You're welcome. There you have it. Everything you need to know about going to spring training this year and kicking off the baseball season and your spring training in the right way. Well, that sounds like fun. Maybe I do like it a little more after this. Oh, we should go to spring training for the Cubbies. For the parties? We could say we were there from the very beginning. You just want to go because it's the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah, but everyone's, baby, the Cubs are being picked. They're four to one odds to win the World Series. 
You know why? Because now they have a Cuban. Well, they had a Cuban last year, but yeah. No, they've never been they ever. They've never been favored in the history. Since Las Vegas has been Las Vegas, since it's existed, the Cubs have never been ever the favorite going into the season to win the World Series. Ever. Well, now people feel bad for them. No, it's not feeling bad. It's just a good team. Okay. Which you would understand. If you know what, we're going to go to spring training right now. You can follow us on the web at, at Mark DiCarlo on Twitter and Mark DiCarlo TV on Instagram. And if you'd like to listen to some of our old shows, you can always find them at aforkontheroad.com or we're also at iTunes or SoundCloud and orbits.com slash blog. So that's it. That is our very special spring training show. Don't forget to check out my spring training uh, piece in the Huffington Post. It's got uh, all kinds of links and tips and tricks to save money on your hotel and uh, everything you need to know basically about spring training. So until next time, I'm Mark DiCarlo. And I'm Yenny Alvarez. And we'll see you on a fork on the road. You know the law of averages says anything will happen that can that's what it says but the last time the Cubs won a National League pennant was the year we dropped the bomb on Japan the Cubs made me a criminal sent me down a wayward path they stole my youth from me that's the truth I'd forsake my teachers to go sit in the bleachers in flagrant truancy and then one thing led to another Soon I discovered alcohol, gambling, dope, football, hockey, lacrosse, tennis. But what do you expect when you raise up a young boy's hopes and then just crush them like so many paper beer cups year after 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 year. Those hopes are just so much popcorn for the pigeons beneath the L tracks to eat. He said, you know, I'll never see Wrigley Field anymore before my eternal rest. So if you have your pencils and your scorecards ready, I'll read you my last request. He said, give me a doubleheader funeral in Wrigley Field on some sunny weekend day. No lights. Have the organ play the national anthem. And then a little na-na-na-na, hey-hey-hey, goodbye. Make six bullpen pitchers carry my coffin. And six groundskeepers clear my path. Have the umpires bark me out at every base. In all their holy wrath. It's a beautiful day for a funeral. Hey, Ernie, let's play too. Go get Jack Brickhouse to come back And conduct just one more interview Have the Cubbies run right out into the middle of the field Have Keith Moreland drop a routine fly Give everybody two bags of peanuts and a frosty malt And I'll be ready to die Build a big fire on home plate out of your Louisville Slugger baseball bats And toss my coffin in let my ashes blow in a beautiful snow from the prevailing 30-mile-an-hour southwest wind. And when my last remains go flying over the left field wall, we'll bid the bleacher bums adieu. And I will come to my final resting place out on Waveland Avenue. The dying man's friends told him to cut it out. 
He said, stop it. That's an awful shame. He whispered, don't cry. We'll meet by and by near the heavenly hall of fame. He said, I've got season's tickets to watch the angels now. So it's just what I'm going to do. He said, but you, the living, you're stuck here with the cubs. So it's me who feels sorry for you. And he said, oh, play, play that lonesome loser's tune. That's the one I like the best. Closed his eyes and slipped away. Well, Scotty, it was the dying cub fan's last request. So here it is. Do they still play the blues in Chicago? When baseball season rolls around. When the snow melts away. Do the cubbies still play in their eye? Because we bear your 